She is a British-Australian, chicken-loving, cult-escaping badass woman who has been featured in the BBC, The Sun, and Channel 4. She is a sought-after speaker, consultant, and inspirational author of Tomorrow's Not Promised. Her specialty is helping women own their worth so they can authentically live their best lives, discover true love, find their soulmate, and earn their worth. With bucket loads of first-hand real-life experience and a down-to-earth genuine approach, she shortcuts the route to confidence and success for ambitious women who seek freedom and independence and are ready to seize the moment. Firecrackers, please welcome Jessie. Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. So, Jessie, the first thing I want to ask you is, where are you located right now? I'm in South Wales, UK. You are British and Australian, right? Is it because Mm of... Your parents, or where, did you live in Australia? How is that? My father was from Australia and is back there now. So I have Australian citizenship. Oh, nice. And do you go back and forth? I had been, yes, until about three years ago. Yeah, we spent quite a lot of time out there. I had business out there, so we were about there every four months, roughly. Mm-hmm. And that was beautiful. We got to see a lot of it. So right before we started recording, I was telling you that I have read about... Um, I mean, your bio on your website, and I, I, I know that you have such an interesting story. So how did you get where you are today? What has been your, like, your process? Because I know this is, I know it's going to be a long story, but I'm so interested to hear it. And, you know, just tell it however you want to tell it. Okay. Um, so I go back in my memory as far as the age of eight. And at that point, I felt I became consciously aware I was quite different to those around me. Um, And I felt an outsider. And then that continued right through, um, all the way through my teens. And around the age of, or when I was seven, I was pulled out of public uh, mainstream school and homeschooled. And that, uh, let's go step back even further because I'm tripping up here. Um, I was born into a very conservative Christian sect. And one of their uh, developments was to start moving their children out of normal schools and start either educating them from home or moving them into their own schools. And I happened to be caught in that time. So I missed out on having a lot of peer-to-peer contact and then ended up kind of lonely and feeling very different. Well, it took me till I was 30 to find out I was dyslexic and that was probably some of the reason, but I've just never fitted in. I've never been a follower. Um, at the age of 16, unfortunately, I was sexually abused by somebody outside of the community I was in. And then at the age of 18, I was now obviously at work and I fell for somebody outside of the community again. Um, so got into a relationship with them. But I had known before that I just never felt like I was going to end up in a relationship with someone inside the community. Actually, one of the big reasons was because I would be expected to have children and I wouldn't have a choice. So I was like, well, I, I don't, that's not my path. And then three years ago, when I was 30, I finally decided I needed to escape that community. And I am now in my new life, very happily 
in a relationship with the love of my life and still child-free. That is a very um, summarized uh, (laughs) kind of life. There's just so many questions that I have. So the first thing is, so you were you were you were born in a cult, mm-hmm. a Christian cult. Yeah. How? I mean, I've I've heard people mention this before, but I've never actually like dug deep into it. And I would like to ask you, how is that living inside a community um, that is? I mean, surely they're very closed and they're very like protective of their. Uh, members I guess um were you punished too because you were having contact with the outside world or oh yeah absolutely um so yes it was very closed there was a there was a great sense of community in the sense that everyone knew each other really well um if you needed something done you'd often be able to ask for help and that wouldn't be a problem so there's a lot of support but yes I was I got uh, when I was sexually abused it wasn't seen that it was abuse they thought that was a relationship and therefore I was punished because I had sinned um and that was very painful going over intricate detail in front of two male priests and then when I got into a relationship after that it was like oh now you've sinned again and I was then put under house arrest house watch um for daring to do that because that was something we were not supposed to do at all is have any relationships or even friendships with those outside of it and not to eat and drink as well okay that sounds very restrictive Um, (laughs) the tip of the iceberg (laughs) yeah but this is the thing because every time i hear the word cult um it's i my mind immediately attaches very negative things to that like sexual abuses or physical abuses, uh, psychological abuse. There's just so much that that word is so charged, you know, it just comes with so much weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I've never actually met anyone who escaped a cult. So I, I mean, I'm being born into it. I guess you didn't know any better until you were older, I guess. And that's the exact point. So you could don't. you tell me a little bit more about how was growing up in a cult? Like, was it was it hard you didn't know any different um so it wasn't like someone that's been brought into it in that sense but i think looking back on it there were a lot of restrictions uh and there was not true happiness in the sense that i know it now but you weren't aware of that um there were a lot of limitations like women weren't allowed to wear pants jeans whatever you call them in the u.s um we weren't allowed to go to restaurants pubs clubs uh we weren't allowed to take holidays go to festivals or theater cinema employment was strictly within the cult so there were a lot of opportunities that weren't open to us like um say becoming a surgeon or a nurse uh, you can become a sports figure at all musician actor a lot of those more arts even even being um, professionals really in anything, even in like the sciences and that kind of thing, all of those were outside of our scope. Was that only for women or only or also for men? No, both. Both, okay. Yeah, they, they had their own businesses and then you were employed within them. Okay, so basically you were supposed to be born and live and die within the cult. Absolutely, yeah. That's a little bit scary. I just like to escape was doing the unthinkable. Yeah. I, I want to ask you about the escape, but before I do, 
so you, your parents were the ones, I guess your parents were the ones who decided to get into the school at some point before you were born. No, they were born in it as well. They were also born in, oh, wow. So this is a, this is called. Multi-generational. Wow. Well, that your grandparents maybe, or your great-grandparents. I think my great-grandparents. Wow. And this is a yeah. cult that still exists. Yes. Oh, yes. And is it like an open thing? Like people know about it? Or is it just like really hidden? It's very... They, they would tell you if you asked, but it's pretty hidden, really. Yes. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who had no idea it was in their own city or that they were living beside them, but they only had a hunch. They didn't know. Because... They don't stand out as much as some would. If you take, for instance, maybe like the some of the Amish, um, they're relatively current, um, and they would live in pretty normal, ordinary streets. They don't live just in their own complex. But if you've, if you're, I think if you're observant, you might start picking up and think, oh, that's a bit odd. That's a bit unusual. Yeah. Okay. I understand what you mean. It's interesting how sometimes you think, I mean, people in general, we just kind of think that we all live in the same world, right? But within <laughs> our world, there's so many little, like smaller worlds and smaller universes and in terms of, you know, not only religion, but many other things that are practiced in society and you don't really pay attention sometimes. And it's, mm -hmm. and that's the thing I also think, and this is something that maybe has nothing to do with our conversation and I'll jump back in, but um, there's something that I do want to point out and it's the fact that people are so used to their own lives that they sometimes don't take the time to maybe think that the other person that they're maybe criticizing or talking about has lived a completely different existence. Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. so <laughs> of a lack of empathy, I would say in that sense. Yeah. And I think, yeah, just depth of thought to stop and think like for the first two years after I, I escaped, I never told anyone any of my past. I didn't want them to know. I wanted a fresh start, a chance for people to take me as I was. But that meant a lot of times they didn't understand me because they just thought, well, she's this person that's just showed up. They didn't go any deeper. And yeah. it's taken me till this year to realize I am suffering from PTSD in relation to things of the past. And I hadn't been giving myself credit for that, but neither would anybody around me because they wouldn't have seen it or they would have just seen this supposedly confident, bubbly, outgoing personality. Yeah, that's it. Um, people not, not understanding or not taking the time to actually sit down and say, okay, this person has had a completely different life that I did. Um, therefore, <laughs> there are some things that I will not understand. Therefore, I will not judge, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard. So how did you escape? I, going back to 2016, I was doing some self-development work and because training was an important part in business for them and I was doing some of it. And one of the questions was, what would you like to have achieved um, if you're lying on your deathbed and who would you like around you? Something like that. And I thought, well, you know what? There's this person that I was in a relationship with all those years ago that I've never actually let go of in my heart and in my mind and I'd like to spend some time with them and I just thought I need to reach out again and just see if there's still that connection from their side and so I started to reach out um, and it became very apparent very quickly that there was and now I was in this predicament of I still really want this connection but I shouldn't be having it and I'm having to leave this double life 
And then that was in December 2016. By the February the following year, my mother was diagnosed very suddenly with cancer at the age of 66, which was a massive shock. Um, she never planned for cancer, but we always thought my father would pass on first. He was older, frailer. So we'd been setting everything up for her. And then suddenly we got this and we were told she had weeks to a year to live. And it just really came home to me then that if I didn't actually take steps to have a life that I wanted right now, I had no guarantee that there would be a tomorrow. I couldn't put it off any longer. And so despite being really close with my parents, being their primary carers, I had to start planning behind their backs to make my exit. And over time, I, even just facing that I, I actually had to do it because it was incredibly hard, was just like a big thing to admit to myself this was going to happen. And then I rented out a storage unit, started to gradually move items out of the house. And I'm talking about really gradually. Often I had to race to do it when someone was out of the property because I was constantly being watched. Um, if I smuggled anything down there, I always had to have a reason as to why I had left the homes. So I'd have to, often I'd say I was going out on a, doing photography, which I did as a hobby, but I'd have to come back with new pictures to prove that I had actually gone out for that. And then I had it all planned out. I had a property I was going to rent to move into. And three days before I was due to leave, I was rumbled. And I then ended up, because they'd put pressure on me to stay, um, I ended up having to flee a couple of days early and couch surf with one couple that I could actually trust to take care of me just that night. What does being rumbled mean? Um, the, I, I had set up a postal redirect and I didn't realize that they would write to the owner of the property where I was living, which was my father. And so that he, he received this redirect letter and they were like, why are you redirecting your mail? So they found out that you were planning something. Yes. And what is the punishment for that? Um, by then I was strong enough that, you know, I was like, I just need to go away and heal. A lot of really bad stuff's happened and a lot of bad stuff had happened to our family. Um, I need to heal. I can't, I'm looking at suicide right now or a chance at a new life. And they were like, okay, all right, we understand you need to heal. But how about, you know, we'll send you out to Australia. You can get away from all the trouble that's back here and you can start afresh. And I was like, it's not going to solve the problem. Bearing in mind, I still felt emotionally for this other guy. There's nowhere I wanted to go to Australia at that point in time. And I also knew that a young woman showing up on her own in a church over there is immediately under the spotlight because why she turned up, there's some odd circumstances surrounding this. We yeah. always moved in family units mm. and that was, you know, going to raise flags anyway. And I was like, I just don't want to be under scrutiny anymore. I've been under that for so long for the wrong reasons. It's just not appropriate for me. Wow. That's... It's very courageous what you did, you know, just choosing yourself instead of choosing to stay in what you knew was quote unquote safe in the sense that this is the life that you had known for all your life, right? Yeah, familiar with, yeah. How yeah. old were you when you escaped? 30. And I mean, people say, oh, do you feel like you should have escaped the previous time when you fell for someone at 18? I said, no, I wasn't ready then. I didn't have the finances. I didn't have the knowledge to sustain myself. And I was consciously aware that if our relationship had gone south, um, where would I be in a world I knew nothing about on my own, mm -hmm. not able to really deal with it? Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, the timing is, there's this saying that we have here and it's just the, the timing of everything's perfect. Yes. 
So you don't have to like force things if you don't feel ready for them, right? Yes. You have to, um, things just go into place naturally, I guess. You have to, I, I believe very fiercely in the fact that you have to trust the process. Yeah, they do. Although I would have to say when you're coming to doing something like that, there's never a good time to escape. Oh, yeah. You know, I look at my mother whose cancer wasn't getting any better at that point, although you were constantly trying to tell yourself it was. And I was saying, if she gets better, we're not, you know, when's it, when is that going to happen by? And yeah. there's always the chance there'll only be remission. So when will it break out again? Or if she gets worse, neither way made it any better. I still had to choose myself. And it felt so, so selfish. That's an interesting word. I had a very poor relationship with being selfish at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think most, most human beings do uh, because we're raised, ever since we're very, very young, we're raised to uh, share everything, right? Are you still in touch with your parents? I have been a little. My mother has sadly passed. She passed six months after I left. Um, my father, I had some contact with up until I published my memoir and then he's gone very quiet. Oh, and do you have any siblings? Yes, I do. I have eight. I'm sorry. I'm one of eight. Apologies. I have seven siblings. Yes. And do you stay in touch with them? No. Again, I had a little bit of contact with my brother. Um, some of it's by choice. Some of them weren't particularly nice to me because I was black sheep of family. It, sorry, that's probably a very racist thing to say. Apologies. Um, I was an odd one out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't, I just didn't feel connection to them. And got some quite nasty messages after I left. And I just thought, well, you know what? I really need to protect my energy. And this is about what I want now. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. Let's talk a little bit about your memoir. So I know that this book, so it's, it's called Tomorrow's Not Promised. Mm-hmm. When was it published? That was published on the 1st of November. Oh, so it's quite recent. Congratulations. <laughs> you have a new yeah. baby. <laughs> <laughs> I do, birthed into the world. <laughs> so this memoir, um, what pushed you to write all your experience and put it out there in a book? Well, I didn't really plan it. Um, I, I'd been doing modeling up until I'd been a model up until earlier this year. And then when lockdown happened, obviously that was an end of that. And I just took stock and I thought, I'm not happy with the direction that's going. I want to retire from it. And I wanted to move more into helping people through the experiences I'd had. And I thought, well, I'll tell you what, I'll write a self-help book. And I found a program and thought, right, I'll do this in 40 days. Off I go. And that wasn't the story that wanted to come out. The more I looked at it, the more my experiences were ready to. And I was finally in a safe enough space to open that box that I had put away and said, no, I'm not looking at and go, do you know what? I'm, I'm ready to own this part of my life now. And to use it as a tool to help other people. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I was curious. I very much wanted to look at overcoming the adversity because you can't look at how a cult escape is going to help you know, 95% of the population um, in terms of there's not many other people that want to do that. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it doesn't have to be an exact 
how do you call it? Like take it, take, take the example as an exact, um, what's the word purpose or, um, like vision, I would say, because sometimes there are some things, I mean, even I'm not in a cult, like you said, I would say most of our, of the world's population is not part of a cult, but there are situations in which one puts oneself sometimes that you just don't see your way out of. Mm. Um, either because they're weighing on you mentally or psychologically, or we discussed this briefly before we started recording. It's like women who are in relationships and they know that these relationships are not good for them, right? They're like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, they see all the red flags or there's something about the person that is just like, oh, maybe he or she, they're not really for me or whatever. Um, maybe we're not compatible, but they still stay in these relationships because they are afraid to break the other person's heart or because they are like, oh, but if I break up, what's going to happen? I'm going to be single again. And, you know, these types of situations like that. Um, yes, yes. How it's definitely. easy to stay in an uncomfortable comfort zone. Exactly. So I, I'm, it's not, of course, I'm not comparing being in a bad relationship with being in a cult. I'm not. But I get where you're coming from. Yeah, it's like extrapolating a little bit that experience and saying, well, if Jessie, who is a woman of, yes, you're very courageous, um, but you're still a human being. If she could do it, then maybe I can too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm hearing that from the from my readers. The feedback is, you know, I'm you've inspired me to do X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, face my parents and tell them this or decide I want to do something for my childhood that I was discouraged in doing. And it's like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's what we want to see. Exactly. Because it's, it's about finding that fire, that spark inside you that, that is like, you know what, that's, this is not the direction that I want my life to go in. Um, yes. And that's where I feel like the thread really through it is creating a life on your own terms. Yeah, that is, you know, I think that's what, all humans shooting for. <laughs> of course, there are so many restrictions around us. Um, uh-huh. Not only religious space, but like just society, like societal pressure and so many givens that you just are born into this culture sometimes that are just really restrictive as well in many ways. Um, I know it's hard. Um, I've read messages of people. I read a message specifically from somebody who follows me on, on social media and they are from... Uh, I can't remember if they're from the United Emirates or Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. It's either or. And they're child-free. But they told me if I tell somebody in my family, they would like kick me out of the house. They would, I don't know, they would maybe even kill me. Or You know, it's just that bad. Yeah, I get you. There's somebody in my immediate circles now who is in a same-sex relationship but don't tell any of their side of the family. And they're living together and you think that constant pressure every day you know, my heart aches for them because I know what that felt like living as something that you're not when, you know what I mean? Like a half truth. And it's like, wow, the pressure of that day today is so hard. Yeah, it is hard. So let's talk a little bit about why you decided to be child-free. Was this something that happened when you were very young? Was it conscious or was it just this thing that you just knew inside of you that you didn't want to have children? I think earlier on I probably did. Um, well, I got as far as wanting names for them. Let's put it that way. So it didn't really matter about anything else. It was just the lovely names I wanted to use, which I instantly ended up using on my chickens instead. So there we go. Um, but it was more and more just looking at the signs around me. So, you know, I've got six sisters. Um, 
I've seen how my mother's just worn herself into the ground taking care of us and not taken really that much care of herself um, because of it. Uh, I've seen my sisters get very frustrated with having their children and then want to palm them off on my parents, whether my parents were able to cope for them or, you know, cope with their children or not. I've seen at least two or three people my age get into or marry and get into a relationship, obviously within the cult I was in, because that was the only way you could get out of the family home was to marry. You didn't have any relationships outside of that and have children and then wish they were back at work and they weren't allowed to. And then I've seen, you know, situations where my cousin, my cousin got married. He really wished he could stay at home and take care of the children and run the home. And she went to work. She would have loved that. They weren't allowed that. And then I've also seen families where children have been brought into the world. And there's um, a couple of it was twins, actually, twin sisters. They were older than me. Their parents couldn't have been crueler to them and more nasty to them. And I just remember someone who was helping them say, why would you bring children into this world if you don't love them? And I've always felt very entrepreneurial. I've never, you know, I was the youngest of my family. There was six years between me and the next sibling up. I never grew up with children around me because I was homeschooled. There was just too many things that were saying to me. And on top of that, I always feel if I brought a child in now, I don't know what world I'm leaving them to. And there were just so many things that went, this doesn't feel the right thing. Yeah. It's interesting to see how everyone's reasons are often different and they're all valid mm. um how did you i mean because knowing this just like seeing all everything around you and just going oh maybe that's not the life that i want like children but being inside the cult where you said it yourself uh, at the beginning of our conversation women who are in this cult are actually expected to be mothers right you're expected oh, very much so you the you know popul populating the community, I would say, to enlarge it, right? How did you cope with that pressure? That was another layer that, you know, I was I experienced bullying from about the age of eight and didn't it didn't stop before I left. So it was another layer, a subconscious layer that, you know, first of all, I wasn't married and I was old for my age at 30. Usually they married in their 20s. Um, so that was already, like, you know, obviously you're not attractive. Nobody wants you. You're not married. But I was very conscious that I didn't like any of the options that were out there. Although nobody had approached me, I still didn't like any of the options. Um, and I sure as hell really didn't want to bring a family into this world. That, that was my only choice. It was to create a family and run a home. And if you didn't, that pressure, you know, I'd seen other people get into relationships. And for one reason or another, either they didn't have children for quite a while or they didn't ever. And it was usually thought, oh, what poor things they can't have them. And I thought, you know, I would have to disappoint the person I was going to get into a relationship with because he would have expected me to. That would have caused its own tension. Um, lived a lie that I couldn't have them and tried to explain all my life why I didn't want to. The constant questions as to why I wasn't. It's just like, <sighs> I can't do this to myself. Yeah. Uh, but doesn't that happen too now at this point in time for you after you left the cult? A little, but nowhere near as much. Um, I'm not socializing. Like we, we were in each other's houses every single weekend. We were at church every day of the week. And it's the same people you're seeing over and over again. And there's a lot of gossiping. Mm -hmm. it, it's not to the same degree. And also you're not as free to speak your mind about that. And you can do here. What sort of comments do you get now 
about the fact that you're child free? I don't think I've anybody had anybody say to me that I'm being selfish, that, you know, it's wrong in that, from that angle. Um, I think it's more poking fun and insinuating like the, f- the first time I put up <laughs> first time I put up a photograph of myself and my current partner and it was announcing we were in a relationship I happened to have my hand on my stomach in the photo and I had comments saying oh we thought you were pregnant and I was like this I'm into a brand new relationship <laughs> you know, isn't that a big enough of an announcement without having to add pregnancy on top of it um, just because I have my hand on my stomach because that's where it felt comfortable it's just like ludicrousy yeah, it is. And just before we started recording, you were also telling me about this, something that you're launching and you wanted to create some sort of um, expectation, like keep people like expectant of what it is that you're going to put out. And yeah. they were also asking you were pregnant. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was crazy. I just said, you know, I've got big news coming and they were like, oh, is it twins or is it a boy or a girl? And I'm like, you know, that's not funny. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not funny and it's old. It's, you know, you've tried that before and I'm not going to rise to the bait. And I think it's it's very polarized isn't the right word. It's trying to insinuate that you won't be happy unless you have them. And, you know, all of us are well aware of people that really find it hard. And that's putting it mild. You know, having these children are finding it incredibly hard. And it's like, well, you're telling me I won't be happy unless I have children? I guess that's general assumption, right? It's just that I think we've all been so... And I'm going to use this term loosely, brainwashed by so many, um, like the media and everything around us is just pointing to that direction, right? Everything is yeah, just conditioned. Very, con- we're, yeah. There's a conditioning that we're expected. To, it just doesn't doesn't even stand back and say, Do you know what? I'm pushing. I'm trying to encourage somebody into something that's actually not an easy thing to do. Yeah both physically and then mentally as well. And I remember somebody also said to me this last time, never say never. And I thought, okay, you're getting me close to getting out my boxing gloves now because that's disrespecting my choices. Absolutely. I was going to say that's very rude. I mean, you don't tell people things like that. That's like wishing, that's like people who are completely against abortion and they, they're wishing that women who are like pro-choice get pregnant and have to like, we go through the whole pregnancy and then have have the child, right? Even if they're raped, and I think that's completely. I mean, it's just it just blows my mind to what extent some human beings think that they are entitled to say things like that about somebody else's life. Yeah, it's just very uncalled for and unthoughtful. It is when people are so focused on other people's lives and decisions and. You know, I I just feel that they, this this type of people don't really take the time to look into their own lives. (laughs) That's like my, that's my general feeling. Um, It's not scientific fact. No, I I just hear, I'm I'm laughing because I'm thinking, you know, it's comical that, you know, often you'll hear all these complaints, you know, they've got them and maybe it's got drug addicts or there's some issues or it's even just the toll it takes. And it's, I say just, because it's not just. But you're telling someone that they should put themselves through all of that. It's like saying, you know what? It's easy to climb a mountain. Go ahead and do it. Why isn't everybody doing it? It's a big big deal. Yeah. And I think that maybe some of these people, they didn't realize before they did it that it was a choice. Mm. No, it was like they got pulled into it as well. And then they were there. Maybe Maybe they're enjoying it fully. Maybe they're not. I'm not going to make any assumptions about any of that. But 
It's like seeing our people go, you know what, maybe I don't want to have children. And they're like, wait, why did I have to do, why did I have to have them? <laughs> if I didn't have to, I mean, you know, it's, um, I think it's the whole raising awareness for people to know and understand that it is a choice. I think that's yes. the most important thing. Whatever you choose is, I mean, it's your personal life. And I think that, as you say, people should find their own path and live the life that they want to live. And if that includes if that includes children, then that's perfect. Um, exactly. But, but they, they should have, have the freedom exactly. to choose. Yes. And not only the freedom, but also do it in a conscious way, you know? Yes. Because I feel that um, it's very common to see people reproducing just for the sake of reproducing. Mm-hmm. I mean, not thinking too much about what that entails, the responsibilities. <laughs> I would like to just say a couple of other things. Um, back where I was, contraception wasn't acceptable. So I would have had that to have contended with as well. Wow. Um, yeah. And also I felt from, I guess, from my teens, I, I always knew I wanted to date up age-wise. So I've never been in a relationship with somebody my own age and it's not something I wanted to do. I've, I've, I'm lo- I've been looking for wisdom and I've, I've just found that people my own age don't give me the wisdom that I'm wanting in that sense. I'm not saying that for everybody, just the way it is for me. So I've always gone for at least a 20-year age gap. So when you're talking about that and you're in your 30s, you know, my current partner is 29 years older than me. He is actually quite active. But my previous one, he was like, oh, yeah, I want to have children. I felt like I let him down. And I thought, I just said to him, but hang on a minute. You know, you're not active right now. You want me to have the children, to push you around in your wheelchair and to earn the income. Really? Oh my God. <laughs> you don't want much more, do you? And then when you're gone, I got to bring these children up on their own. Don't you really want teenagers when you're in your seventies and eighties? Cause I don't think so. You struggle with them now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I want to see the common sense of it, that how much am I going to be putting on myself? Yes. But I think it's very commendable that you actually have the clarity to, un- to like ask yourself those questions, you know, and to understand that whatever choice you make is going to have a different impact in one year, five years, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that it's all about being conscious of what it is that you want in life, what makes you happy, and how is that going to affect you going forward? Yeah. And I just felt also for me, because of my... St- <sighs> just for the way I had processed and dealt with all that happened to me, I wasn't in a state mentally to bring something else into this world and then try and give it the right upbringing. I was still healing from a lot of stuff that had gone on and I did not want to project that all over another individual. I, I can relate to that as well. I think you see it, you know, yeah. you see all these, so many children coming from, I don't want to say broken households, but situations that are really sad and, then that child has such a lesser chance in the world or has a bad start, let's put it that way. And it it has a long-term impact, generation after generation. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that is quite selfless instead of selfish. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People Mm -hmm. tell us that we're selfish. It's just, you know, it's a complete opposite. Sometimes it's hard to explain it to them. Um, I want to ask you a hard question because you just mentioned... Uh, something regarding birth control. So you weren't allowed, it wasn't allowed. Mm. When you were sexually abused, if you had 
gotten pregnant because of that, then you would have been forced to have that baby, right? Yeah. How did that feel at the time for you? I think in my naivety, because I, I didn't, un I didn't understand what he was doing to me, and I was sixteen, so I had had no sex education, and we had no TV, we had no radio, we weren't allowed the reproduction sections in our school books, so I had no concept of the difference between lust and love and I was in a very lonely and dark place and thought this person loved me and I had thought that if I became pregnant he would take me on and take care of me um obviously I know on reflection that absolutely that would not have happened and he wouldn't have wanted me pregnant for that reason um had I ever thought about being I can honestly say I, until you've just said it now I've never thought about being pregnant and still being in the cult it would have been horrific absolutely horrific I would have had to bring that child up on my own still living in as part of my parents household and that would have really tarnished my opportunities for getting into a relationship after that because it would have seen me as damaged goods wow and it also would have had a toll on your mental Oh, completely. No, for sure. Yeah, completely. Wow. Well, Jesse, this has been very interesting and really inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to air some things I don't think I've ever spoken about before. Well, I'm very happy that you found a space here with me to do that. Um, but just before I let you go, is there anything else that you would like to add to our interview? Anything at all? No, other than to commend your work, because I think it's, it's very needed. Um, I don't have anything more to share other than uh, listeners are very welcome to go and download the first chapter of my book for free um, at my website, jessieshedden.com forward slash book. But I just want to say thank you so much for giving a space to a lot of very silenced voices. Thank you so much for coming again. And I'll leave you firecrackers. I'll leave you Jessie's website on the comments so you can click and, and visit her. And is your book on Amazon? Where is it? Where can it, it find is. it? Okay. So yes. I'll also leave a, a link to Amazon in case you want to buy Jesse's book. It was really a pleasure to have you here, Jesse. Thanks again for coming. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire. <laughs>